0: Welcome back to the Through the Psalms podcast. I'm Wesley Provine. Today we're going to be talking about Psalm 14. Now, uh, the superscription says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. So this is another Psalm of David. Uh, There's a couple of interesting things about Psalm 14. Uh, One is it's nearly identical to Psalm 53. Uh, There's a couple of differences that I'm going to talk about later, but... Very similar to Psalm 53. Uh, the second thing is that Paul quotes um, extensively from this psalm in Romans chapter three, verses 10 through 12, as he talks about the sinfulness of mankind and human depravity. So this is a very uh, very important psalm. Uh, now the classification for this psalm is it is a wisdom psalm. And the only other wisdom psalm that we've come across so far up to this point is Psalm 1. Psalm 1 was also a wisdom psalm. And basically, that means that it contrasts the way of the wicked uh, with the righteous. And it's a teaching psalm um, to teach people the right way to live. And. so if you read, go back and read Psalm 1, it's similar in tone um, to this psalm because they are both wisdom psalms. Okay, I mentioned the differences between this psalm and Psalm 53. Um, one of the differences is that Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 use different names for God in verse 2. Um, Psalm 14 uses the personal name for God. Uh, It was the name that was so holy that the Jews would not even pronounce it. Uh, Psalm 53 uses the more generic term for God, uh, Elohim. Another difference is that Psalm 14 has seven verses and Psalm 53 has six verses. And the reason for that is when you get down to verse 5, uh they start to um diverge a little bit in what they say the the wording is different so verse uh five six, and seven is different in psalm fourteen uh than psalm fifty three verses five and six uh, so other than that they're pretty similar okay so let's go ahead and read um psalm fourteen. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? And called not upon the Lord, there were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion! When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Okay, verse 1 is a very well known verse and uh, you'll hear it quoted a lot and it's just basically describing the um the fool who believes that there is no god who lives like there is no god uh and it's just describing that as a foolish and destructive way of approaching life and in a sense this could be uh practical atheism That is, the person may not admit publicly, he may not acknowledge that he doesn't believe there is a God, but he lives like it. He says that in his heart. Even if he doesn't intellectually acknowledge his atheism, uh, he lives like he is an atheist. And this psalm links his belief, or links his lack of belief in God with sinfulness and a wicked way of living. And we talked about that, I believe, in a previous psalm, those that were practical atheists, that is, they lived like there was no God, and they lived like there was no accountability. And so we see that again here in this psalm. He says that in his heart. That is, again, he may not publicly acknowledge that, uh, but when he's alone in his heart, that's what he thinks and that's the way he lives like there is no god now paul quotes verses uh part of verses 1 through 3 paul quotes these verses in romans chapter 3 uh verses 10 through 12 and paul is talking about the universal depravity of mankind he's talking about the sinfulness of humanity and You can turn to Romans 3 if you would like. In verse 19, Romans 3, 19, at the the end of that verse, Paul says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And then if you jump down to 23, Romans 3, 23, he says there, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Paul, if you know the book of Romans, he's making an argument that whether you're Jew or Gentile, all have sinned and all need a Savior, and that we are saved by putting our faith in Christ. And so that's the argument that Paul's making. He's he's talking about how all humanity has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All humanity needs a Savior. Back in Psalm 14, um, David is not necessarily describing all of humanity when he talks about these people. He's more talking about the wicked and those who persecute God's people. So David's scope is a little more narrow, whereas Paul's is a little broader in that Paul is applying it to all of humanity. Now, um, David... uh, Lists several characteristics of these wicked people that he's talking about, and I've I've found five here at least five in this psalm, uh, where five characteristics of these wicked people that David is r- referring to. Uh, number one, they lack knowledge. If you notice, there uh, in verse four, he calls them workers of iniquity that have no knowledge. Um, they are ignorant of God's word. They are ignorant of God's ways. It's not that the word of God is unavailable to them. It's just they have not sought it, and they have not made an effort to know it, and so therefore they are ignorant of it. They lack knowledge of God. The second characteristics, characteristic of these people is that they persecute Uh, God's people. Um, He talks about, he uses the metaphor of eating up my people as they eat bread. So uh, they persecute, they oppress the people of God. They have no concern for the people of God. The third characteristic is that they lack a prayer life. They don't call upon the name of the Lord. It says there at the end of verse 4, and they And call not upon the Lord. So they don't depend upon the Lord. They depend upon themselves. They are self-sufficient. They look to themselves uh, for strength. They don't look to God. They don't pray to God. So there's a lack of prayer. Number four, they are in great dread or fear. You'll notice that at the beginning of verse five. And why are they in great dread? Because God is with them. The righteous. It says, For God is in the generation of the righteous. So they persecute God's people, but it it seems like David is saying they also recognize that God is with the righteous, and therefore they are in great fear. And then number five, they mistreat the poor. Uh, It talks about them shaming the counsel of the poor and the Lord being his refuge. We've talked about this in previous Psalms, how one of the marks of these wicked people that David uh, describes in these psalms is that they oppress the poor. So there's five characteristics there that I've listed uh, or that David has talked about in this psalm of these wicked people that live like there is no God. Now, verse 7 uh, kind of changes uh, gears, and here David looks forward to the Messiah, he's longing for the Messiah, uh, and we know that to be we know that Messiah to be Jesus, uh, because you know David feels discouraged about these wicked people, and he feels discouraged about the sinfulness around him. He looks forward to the day that the Messiah will come and deliver Israel from this, and. At first glance, verse 7 may seem to refer to the return from the Babylonian exile because he mentions the captivity and he talks about uh Jacob rejoicing and Israel being glad when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. But if this is a psalm of David, it probably is not referring to that because the Babylonian captivity and the return from exile took place hundreds of years after the time of David. So that event was um, much later. Uh, the The Babylonian captivity uh, lasted 70 years, and the return came in 539 B.C. when Cyrus the Great allowed the people to return to the land. So David is probably referring in verse 7 to the Messiah, to Jesus. So, in conclusion, what can we learn from this psalm? Well, again, he contrasts the way of the wicked with the righteous. And we see here a very vivid picture of the uh, wickedness of those who live apart from God. But we see the righteous dependent upon God, trusting in God, praying to God, looking for the Messiah looking for deliverance from the Lord. Now um, Isaiah 59 20 talks about this um, deliverer, this redeemer that comes out of Zion, very similar language to what um, David talks about in verse seven. And Romans eleven twenty six quotes Isaiah fifty nine twenty. And so I just want to read Romans eleven twenty six real quick, because the language is very similar to what David uses. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And so you see there they use a similar language, uh, referring to the Messiah, referring to Jesus. So that, you know, once again, Jesus is our hope. Uh, He is the one that can forgive our sins. Uh, He is the one that can deliver us from captivity. He's the one that can deliver us from the wicked. And so just as David looked forward to uh, Jesus' first coming, we look forward to Jesus' second coming, and we put our hope in him just as David did Well, that is all I have for this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a wonderful week. May God richly bless you.